Hey, everybody. I'm glad you got here early. It's time for Coffee with Scott Adams, probably the best time anybody's ever had in the history of human civilization. And it's not going to get any worse today. I mean, today it's might even take it up a level. I can't promise it. But it might go from the best thing ever to slightly better. Not saying every time, but very possible. So stay around for that. Now, I know you want the simultaneous sip, but I have to share a joke I heard on Twitter before we do that. Credit to Twitter user Dr. Sexy, S-E-K-Z-I, who made this joke. Uh, uh, well, the context is the Jeffrey Tubin situation, and now somebody got arrested for lubing the Tubin in uh, Times Square. And so there were many funny uh, tweets about it. But Dr. Sexy's tweeted, uh, can no longer do it on the plane, or he might get arrested for, fill in the joke, let's see if you're funny. Are you funny? You can't uh, pleasure, pleasure yourself on a plane, or you might get arrested for, hijacking. I wish I'd thought of that one. Well, if you'd like to enjoy the simultaneous sip, to its maximum, maximum ability. <laughs> what do you need? That's right. You need a copper mug or a glass of tech or chalice of stein, a canteen, jug of glass, a vessel of any kind. Join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better all over the world at the same time. It's called the simultaneous sip. And Mark, you made it just in time. Hope you have your cup. Go! Now, I didn't find my cheat sheet to remember the simultaneous SIP introduction. Uh, I actually Googled it <laughs> and then wrote it down. Uh, I had to actually listen to my own podcast, an earlier one, and then transcribe it. It's like, oh, what's the order of that? All right, well, there's lots of stuff going on. How many of you saw uh, Tucker Carlson? And he was interviewing a uh, gentleman from Revolver whose name I forgot to write down, but I wish I had. And the gentleman from Revolver had noted that apparently there are many domestic uh, acts of violence, let's call them terrorism, but domestic acts, domestic, yeah, terror attacks. And there's a weird coincidence to a lot of them, which is there were FBI informants, or FBI assets maybe is a better word, involved with all of the groups, or not every one of them, of course, but they seem to be consistently involved. And the suggestion is that maybe they're more than just watching them. Maybe they're participating a little bit too much. Maybe they're even prodding people to do something that they wouldn't necessarily have done, or maybe not done as soon. So what do you think about that? We've got some other evidence. Uh, Tucker Carlson's show talked about. Apparently there are some uh, unindicted co-conspirators involved in the January 6th, let's say, demonstration uh, on the Capitol. And the suggestion is, wait a minute, why would somebody be a co-conspirator? And evidently we know who they are, but they would not be indicted. Hmm. What are the reasons that somebody would be not indicted? Well, I'm not a lawyer, so you know if I'm wrong about this, somebody will correct me. But it sounds like one of the reasons is that they might be an informant or have some prior relationship with law enforcement. So that's out there. We don't know the details of that, but something to look at, right? And uh, apparently there are, as Tucker was saying, 10,000 hours of video of the January 6th event that's not being made available to the public. What? <laughs> is there a reason for that? No reason given. Maybe one of the reasons is we'd see something they don't want us to see. Mm, I don't know. So here's my take on that. Um, I have a hard time believing that anybody in the FBI or law enforcement would uh, talk somebody into doing an actual terror attack. For what reason? I don't know. But if you're talking about the January 6th uh, event, which 
CNN calls an insurrection. Uh, and other people call it a demonstration of free speech. that went a little too far. You, somewhere in between is probably the truth. Uh, and a little bit closer to the free But since that wasn't really something that people could have anticipated, being an actual, you know, a violent thing where people died, um, at least in my opinion, in my opinion, I don't think it was obvious that violence would happen, you know. And maybe there are some law enforcement-related people who had a little bit too much to do with that. But I think you'd have to put this in the speculation category. I would love to tell you, yeah, I'm all mic'd. I'm all mic'd. That's why my shirt looks like this. I'd love to tell you that I'm buying in totally to the, the FBI is somehow causing uh, domestic attacks, but it doesn't quite smell right to me. However, there are legitimate questions, and those questions do lean in that direction. There's no doubt about that. But just because we don't know the answers to why we haven't seen the video, why there are unindicted co-conspirators, that doesn't mean there's one explanation for it. There could be others. And there might be, you know, there might be one or more example of uh, an FBI agent who did go too far. But I don't know that it's some kind of pattern. So I'm not going to go that far. But I will say that uh, Tucker laying it out there and Revolver News being the original source of this, um, I think this is good work. Good work. You know, don't, don't get too far ahead of the facts. But this is a good frame. We should understand this. Um, the fact that it looks so damning, that's all, the, that's all you need to look into it a little further. But uh, I'm not quite on the conspiracy side of this yet. Uh, do you remember when CNN was mocking Trump when he was president for the G7 allegedly laughing at him? Now, I don't know that they really were laughing at him versus laughing near him or whatever. So I'm not, not even sure it's uh, real news. But let's say it's true because uh, CNN uh, made a big deal about it and sort of mocked the president for that. Now, Sky News in Australia, if you've seen this clip, uh, Sky News has been mocking CNN for basically just not even trying to be a news network anymore. And I think that's fair. I don't believe you could say that the point of CNN is news anymore. Could you? Is there anybody who would disagree with that statement? In the comments, I want to see how, how far you've gone in, in understanding what's going on here. How many people think CNN is actually trying, like legitimately in their minds, thinking, we'll, we'll tell the news as objectively as possible. How many think they're even trying to do that? Because it doesn't look like they're trying, does it? It doesn't even look a little bit like they're trying. It looks like they're just a brain, yeah, as, as, um, as Ryan is saying in the comments, it looks like they're just a brainwashing organization built around a you know, news model, and that's all it is. But apparently Sky News in Australia is laughing at them. <laughs> and they just did a segment showing how differently they treated Trump going to the G7 versus Biden. And it was pretty funny. Hey, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Brian Machiavelli, who reports that he lost uh, 40 pounds in the last six months. Now, if you're asking yourself, why am I talking about somebody's weight loss? Um, the reason is that a lot of people are reporting amazing results uh, during the pandemic. And I, I retweeted Brian's success. And by the way, Brian, congratulations. That's, that's really impressive. I got to say, 40 pounds in six months. And the before and after pictures are crazy. Mark Schneider, same thing. Another, these are two people that I know primarily from Twitter exchanges. And Mark Schneider, same thing just took the opportunity to turn the pandemic into a plus. Oh, my God, here are some comments. Uh, Adele lost 40 pounds. Johnny lost 30 pounds. Uh, wow. If, if anybody else, 20 pounds. Michelle, 
How did they do it? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> In Brian's tweet, he suggests that people read my book. Had it failed almost everything and still went big. Kind of the story of my life. Now, the point of the book, for those of you who shared, 20 pounds? Holy cow. Curl uh, 25 pounds? Jeez, this is crazy. I wasn't expecting this. <clears throat> Dwayne, 50 pounds. Anne, 20 pounds. John, 60 pounds. Uh, Sam got his deadlift from 250 to 450. Holy sheesh. Um, gained needed pounds successfully. Somebody gained successfully. Uh, Matt says he gained 300 pounds, but I don't think I believe that. Melanie, 40 pounds in eight months. Southern guy, 30 pounds. Holy cow. Tim, 35 uh, wow. Uh, 09, 25. J- Jack, 90. Matt, 30. I think these are real, by the way. I'm not making this up. Uh, Luz, no, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Boffin. <laughs> Boffin says he lost 160 pounds in a divorce. Okay, that's funny. Jennifer, 30. Wow. I, well, keep reading the comments. I won't read all of them, but My mind is kind of boggled. So many of you might remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I was trying to find some way to be a a helpful force during a difficult time. And I was recommending that people took the... Holy... My mind is just blowing up here. I'm looking at your comments and it's insane. Holy cow. Wow. Uh, I, I'm just blown away by this. Keep reading them as, as they go by. Um, so I had advised people to use the pandemic uh, as a once-in-a-lifetime, I hope, situation where you would have more free time than usual. Not your choice. You didn't want the free time, and you wish you had your social life and maybe your job back. And I said, find something to improve. You know, Learn a skill, uh, get fit, lose some weight, and... A number of people just did just that. Now, uh, as Brian Machiavelli noted, uh, my book, How to Fail Almost Everything and Still Win Big, teaches you how to do that. So it teaches you how to build a system, your own system, you know, not my system. If I were telling you how to do it, probably wouldn't work because we're all a little different. But if I teach you how to build a system that works for you, which was the point of it, point of the book, uh, apparently it works. And honestly, it might be the world's best diet program at this point. I mean, look at the results. Is there, is there anybody who gets this kind of results with normal diet programs? Now, the point of it is it's not a normal diet program. It just teaches you how to systemize what people treat as a goal and just turn it into a system, and it's just something you do every day. Um, wow. All right. So for all of you who did something uh, amazing during the pandemic, you showed a lot of character there because it would be really easy to just eat chocolate and sit out the pandemic. But those of you who uh, did far more than that, I, I salute you. All right. Um, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, you know her, MD, probably seen her on Fox News, etc. Another good person to follow. Um, so I recommend her as a Twitter follow. And she's uh, tweeting today that uh, the FDA has uh, up- updated some information on uh, adolescents and the vaccinations. And apparently there's just enough of a uh, problem of side effects uh, that they're recommending a halt for adolescents. All right, so adults still recommending it. But for adolescents, they're saying, well, the risk-reward is different because the adolescents have a very low risk, but there's some side effects to worry about. So until they know more about that, uh, at least according to this tweet, it looks like they're going to look into that. Linda says, Greg Gutfeld is killing it in the ratings. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. You know, as soon as I heard he would, he would have a, a show, yeah, at that time period, you knew it was going to be huge. Uh, and sure enough, sure enough. So congratulations to Greg. Um, big, one of the big stories is uh, Hunter Biden is selling his artwork for uh, 
anywhere from $75,000 to half a million per painting. Per painting. Now, you might say to yourself, hmm, is Hunter Biden a famous artist? No. No. Is Hunter Biden a really good artist? Well, that's subjective, isn't it? (laughs) I don't believe he'd be getting half a million dollars. Uh, Thank you, Sparky. I don't believe that uh, Hunter Biden would get half a million dollars for a painting if his name were not Biden. Does anybody think he would? Now, the real, the real risk here to the, the country, if not the world, is that it's a bribery scheme. Yeah, it's a money laundering scheme. And if it's not obvious to you how it's a money laundering scheme, it goes like this. Hey, look, I made some scratchings on a piece of paper. It's for sale. Oh, look. Somebody just offered me a half a million dollars for it. Somebody connected to China. They just like art, I guess. So China sends somebody to buy a half million dollar painting. And then what does Hunter Biden say to himself? Hmm. I think I'll make some more paintings and more Chinese people, maybe with government support, will be buying these paintings. But... I don't want to you know, say bad things about China. I don't want to not sell them paintings. And maybe it won't be China specifically that buys the paintings. Could be somebody else who kind of wants Hunter Biden to have a good impression of him for whatever political connections that might cause. And here's the, the amazing thing about this is that pretty much everybody who's, you know, at least alert to scams and money laundering schemes, almost everybody saw this immediately, right? <laughs> was, was there anybody who's sort of got a, a worldly uh, viewpoint who didn't see this? Like, oh, well, that's like the most obvious money laundering scheme of all time. You could not come up with a better or more obvious or really more routine you know, just an ordinary money laundering scheme. How does he get away with that? Because have you ever heard the standard that you want to, uh, you want to avoid even the appearance of conflict? <laughs> He's not doing that. He is creating the, the appearance of conflict. In the most obvious, right in your face, kind of way. Hey, you want to see some, uh, some conflict you know, of interest? Yeah, let me show you one. It's gigantic. Now, to be clear, I can't say that I know Hunter Biden has bad intentions or that you know, he, he's, he's up to no good. Maybe he's just an artist who's, who's finding that people will pay more for his art than maybe he thought. <laughs> you know, or, or maybe he's a better artist than I thought. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, But I think this is one of those situations where you have to avoid the appearance of money laundering if you're the president's son, right? Does it matter if he's doing it for that purpose? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think that matters. Does it matter if there's some kind of, you know, proof or even strong suggestion that he's, he's doing this for, you know, some nefarious reason? It doesn't matter, it really doesn't matter. If you do something that is so glaringly, obviously a conflict of interest, or, or maybe I'll soften that and say glaringly, obviously uh, a risk of conflict of interest. Let's, let's remove the certainty and just say it's clearly a risk. That's all you need to know. So at what point... What point does somebody just stop caring if it's obvious? <laughs> this, this guy seems to have no shame whatsoever. Yeah, it's obvious. I'll do it anyway. And I'm wondering what the conversation looked like between the president and Hunter. I assume they had one. When, when Biden found out this was going on, you know, Biden's only operating on half a brain, and even he would shut that shit down. Don't you think? Don't you think Joe Biden is sort of suggesting that maybe you back away from this a little bit. You know, sell a couple of paintings, but maybe you back away from this. <laughs> Jeremiah says he'd, he'd say, I'm proud of you, boy. Maybe he would. 
And of course, the big guy gets 10%, but I doubt we're going to see any evidence of that happening. Uh, Here's an interesting story. Apparently, the feds are investigating why so many uh, presumed, of course, we don't know for sure, but presumed Chinese spy uh, left China and came to the United States sooner than their normal schedule would have suggested. Some of them, you know, were students or whatever. So they, they have a, let's call it a cover story. <laughs> and maybe they actually are students. But they are assumed, some of them or many of them, to be Chinese agents. And somehow, before the, the border closed, before Trump closed travel from China, they got out, and they got out suspiciously early and suspiciously in larger numbers than you know, history would suggest. What did they know that you don't know or didn't know at the time? Now, the suggestion is, at least in one report I was reading, the suggestion is that maybe they knew how bad things were and therefore China, the government, was hiding it but their spies certainly knew it, so the spies were acting as if they knew things were going to get really bad really fast, and so they quickly moved to, you know, travel to America because that's, that's where they can be effective. Maybe. Can't rule out that hypothesis, but I'll give you another one. Don't you think that China knows what the administration is discussing and when? Because I feel like they do. You know, there's no leak. There's, you know, ways to find stuff out. I feel as if China would have known well before uh, Trump made the decision, they would have known it was being talked about. And if it was being talked about at the highest levels, that's all you need. They're talking about it. Let's let's go now and reduce any risk that anything will, will change. So go as soon as you can. Just a normal risk-reward kind of a calculation. And so that's a possibility. The other possibility is, have I ever told you that I have this weird, I don't know, certainly the evidence that we live in a simulation is how often the headline news involves me personally? I've talked about this a number of times, but you've seen this, right? How many times has the news somehow been about me? Like, literally me, quite a few times. And here's what... I don't know the exact timing of when these alleged spies uh, came to the United States in January of 2020, but at the end of January, Trump closed travel. Sometime before that, a week, more than a week or so, I think, if I recall, uh, I was publicly calling for the border to be closed. Now, do you think China monitors its top, I don't know, let's say, top 20 critics in the United States, the people who have some kind of public uh, platform and are talking about China in a critical way. And wouldn't you say, I don't know how to measure this kind of thing, so I'll I'll put this in the form of a question, not a statement. Would it be fair to say I'm in the top 20? If you were China and you were trying to keep an eye on the critics because they might influence public policy toward China. No, you think they're watching me? Because it would be crazy for them not to. I don't think anybody's got a more hard line but reasonable stance against China than I do. I mean, they got to be looking at Tom Cotton, right? I mean, he's the senator, but, you know, obviously. Um, they got to be looking at, you know, everybody in Congress who's saying bad things about China. But also... They would be looking at Gordon Chang, right, and a number of other people who uh, who say bad things about China. But there's no way I'm not in the top 20, and certainly they're going to fall in the top 20. So <laughs> maybe your wife's a Chinese spy. Well, that would explain a lot, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would explain why she married me in the first place. Yeah, maybe she is a Chinese spy. Hmm, good call. I better check into that. So my point is, depending on when those Chinese spies came out, I, I might have been the cause, or at least you know some part of the cause, which is weird. You know, I like to watch the news more than I like to be the news, but maybe in this case, 
I don't know what the odds are. It's more likely that they were hearing chatter uh, before they heard me say it. But I might be part of the story. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, all right. <laughs> CNN uh, embarrassed themselves again by gushing over the Biden handshake with Putin. How many of you saw uh, Putin and Biden having their little handshake before they went in the building? And, uh, <laughs> and Jim Secuto, Secuto, Secuito, you can pronounce his name at home any way you'd like. Uh, and by the way, I never, I don't mispronounce people's names on purpose. I'm not trying to be disrespectful in that particular way. Uh, I'm just really bad at pronouncing names. So Jim Skuto, I guess, uh, yeah, this is what he said. Quote, the handshake, Biden looked in the eye of Putin with a smile, and Putin looked away. These moments are about public posturing and about how you project strength. Putin looked away. Did that happen? Well, it's on CNN, right? And nobody corrected him. And it, and it is true that when they shook hands, uh, they shook hands, and then you saw uh, Putin look this way, and you saw Biden keeping his stare on him. That we saw. Did you see uh, Putin blink? Did Joe's steely gaze make him back down and have to look away to get away from the, the, the hot fire of Biden's presence? Was Biden's alpha personality so strong that Putin, the, the head of a nuclear power, couldn't handle it? Because Putin is so, so weak, apparently, according to CNN, that he can't even look our president in the eye. Or is it because Biden is so dragon-like with his fury and his, you know, his resolution that nobody could stand that gaze for much long. They'd have to look away. I suppose that's one interpretation. Let me tell you my interpretation, and I want to see if it matches yours. So the two men shake. Biden keeps looking at Putin. Putin looks toward the cameras. The cameras. As he was shaking hands, Putin did this. He smiled at all the cameras. Biden forgot the cameras were there, or didn't care, or didn't pick up on the cue, or his dementia was setting in, or he just didn't know what to do, and he didn't look at the camera. That was a camera photo op. Now, it's possible. Let, let, me, let me back up and make this not a Biden criticism because you don't know what he was thinking. He, he might have been operating at a higher level than I'm giving credit for. Possible. And that is that he didn't want to look at the camera to make the photo op like a little bit friendlier than he wanted it to, to be. Putin wants to make it look like they're, they're friends and everything's good, so he's looking at the camera. Biden might not want to give him that photo, which would be smart. Right? Just he basically took the took the friendly photo where they're both looking at the camera and he just didn't give him that. Maybe smart. So I'm not gonna say he was necessarily out of it and didn't understand the situation. But Putin was just looking at the camera and it was exactly the right thing he should have done. And CNN is <laughs> reporting it like he blinked. You know, Biden stared him down. Nothing like that happened. Um I asked a question on Twitter that so far has not gotten me banned because when people like me ask or talk about medical anything, uh, we're on shaky ground. <laughs> but I asked this question, and it's just a question, right? So there's no, there's no uh, belief here yet, just a question. I noted that after I got my second vaccination, Moderna vaccination, that I seemed healthier than normal. And indeed, it seems like my allergies went away. Now, that happened before I came here. <laughs> Carpe, good to see you. He says, remember when presidents didn't need flashcards? <laughs> I, I was thinking of Carpe, dunked him uh, 
a lot recently because nobody made a good meme and of the and of Macron going like this with Biden. This is why we need Carpe back in the game. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, uh, I felt healthier and my allergies seemed to go away. Before I left my normal environment, I noticed it. And so I asked people on Twitter, hey, if you had this experience, has anybody had some beneficial thing happen after the second shot? And I got a mixed reaction. So a number of people said, no, I felt worse, or I don't know. You know ver- various little medical problems seem to have come after it. But surprisingly, uh, quite a number of people said that their allergies seemed to have gone away or substantially reduced after the second shot. I know, I know, I know. It also is coincidentally right after the allergy season ends, right? That's the obvious thing. Um, Somebody says the placebo effect. I don't know if the placebo effect works on allergies. There's a good question for you. I, I, I respect the observation because we know the placebo effect is fairly universal and seems to be in just about everything we, we study. So it's real. and You can't, can't ignore it. But the placebo effect would, number one, uh, assume that you thought that was going to happen. So the placebo effect sort of uh, depends on the person expecting an outcome. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect any anything except a vaccination. So probably the 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 essential part of what makes a placebo work, which is the mental part, I didn't have that mental part. So to me, it would have been just a surprise, right? Which is the opposite of a placebo. So I don't think it was placebo. A number of other people reported it's just anecdotal. I wouldn't take any take any of this too uh, too seriously, but. Here's an interesting fact, and I tweeted this so you'll see it in my timeline from uh, just a few hours ago. But apparently there's something called nonspecific effects from vaccinations. Have you ever heard of that? Nonspecific effects. Apparently there is, um, it's a well, not well-known, but it's a known uh, phenomenon that you can get a vaccination for a specific problem and that vaccination can, cro- can cause a number of other problems, so nonspecific problems, basically, things you didn't think were going to be a problem, side effects, but also can fix other problems. And there's a little story about some you know, uh, older kinds of vaccinations that were used on some uh, you know, non-industrial tribe somewhere, and it reduced their overall mortality for reasons that have nothing to do with the vaccination. So we do know that that's a real thing, that sometimes a vaccination, the same vaccination, can cause some people some extra problems, and some people might actually live longer. <laughs> that could actually change your, your life expectancy. Now, I'm not saying that that's true necessarily of these vaccinations, because we've got some new technology going on, etc. But be aware... It's an actual thing. So, maybe. Uh, I'll let you know if my allergies come back, but um, so far, so good. All right. Uh, Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, um, or Raffensperger, not Burger. Um, he tweeted that uh, new revelations that Fulton County is unable to produce all ballot drop box transfer documents will be investigated thoroughly as we have uh, when other countries, blah, blah, blah. So Georgia is looking into the lack of transfer documents. The transfer documents would show you know, who had it, where it went to, etc., and those are missing, which suggests at least the possibility that some of them could have disappeared. We wouldn't know, would we? So what would happen? Let me give you this uh, hypothetical. What would happen if we, can, if we determine that the chain of custody can never be determined? Because I think, I think those votes don't count, but it's too late 
to really change the outcome. I mean, there's no real... I don't think there's any practical way that the, any election is going to be over, overturned for any reason. It's just too late. And, and I actually agree with that. I think it would be terribly destabilizing to change things in the middle of a, a president's term. So, uh, if anything, it might influence you know, the next election. So, may, maybe increase the chances of Trump could, getting back in office. But what do you think as a citizen? You know, for those of you who are American citizens watching this, what do you think about the fact that at the moment we don't know if we had a real election? The fact that the transfer documents are missing tells you you don't know if you had a real election. I mean, literally, you don't know. Now, can I be banned for that? Because I'm making a very specific claim, which is you know, in the news and not in dispute, that these documents are missing. That's all. And if the documents are missing, we don't know if we had a, a proper election. That's a, just a fair statement, right? I think I won't get kicked off for that. Um, somebody was uh, mocking me on Twitter, which is you know, half of what Twitter is, uh, saying that uh, my prediction that Trump would win and that uh, the slaughter meter was predicting his win with great certainty uh, shows I had a wrong prediction. Now, I agree with that, that characterization. It's definitely a wrong prediction. But why is it wrong? Is it wrong because I'm not good at reading the mood of voters? Perhaps. Perhaps. But I think it was wrong because the election was determined by lawyers. Meaning that prior to the vote by anybody, the lawyers had decided what the rules would be, and the rule change probably determined the election. I'm guessing. So I was definitely wrong but I think it's important to look at why, and I don't think we know why, especially if these transfer forms are missing. So there could be more than one reason that I was wrong. One of them, at least, is that lawyers lawyered up the rules to favor one side over the other, and sure enough, the, the favored side won. So I don't know if voters even mattered. Uh, voters, really, all we did is get the result close enough that the lawyers had the, the final vote. <laughs> That's all we did. You know, basically, voters gave the imprint of something like democratic-ish happening, but we didn't determine the winner. That was determined by the rules. If there had been different rules, probably different outcomes. I don't know if it would have changed the result, but it certainly would have been a big difference. Speaking of Biden... Did you see the video where he confused Libya and Syria? You know, allegedly three times. I, you know, one of those times, I'm not sure he really confused them. But he, de he definitely confused them. And I have a little bit of sympathy for that. Because, <laughs> because I confuse things all the time. And always have. So how many times have I said the wrong country? Kind of all the time, right? I mean, you've seen me do it. And I still feel that I'm uh, mentally competent. And I don't know that that's a big deal on its own. Right? Just confusing a country, or even, honestly, forgetting what uh, city you're in when you're campaigning. Those are kind of normal things. Kind of normal. Now, Angela says, but Adams is not president. But humans are president. Humans. And humans do that all the time. I'm not sure that I would uh, say that that by itself is a bad thing. But do you think that the G7 leaders are laughing at him for not knowing the difference between Libya and Syria? Oh, I think they might have had a chuckle over that. Oh, I think they did. Is there a national security threat when our president can't remember which country is the important one? I think there is. Right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you imagine? Um, yeah, it introduced the same person twice. Yeah, so Biden has all these little uh, gaffes, and they do look like, you know, genuinely they're memory problems or whatever. 
I don't know how important it is. Because these are the types of mistakes that his handlers would fix. You know, it, it's not like he's going to go to a meeting and make a decision about Libya when he thought he was talking about Syria. People would stop him from doing that. Uh, Jill would stop him, right? So he's a weird president because... Exactly. It's some combination of his handlers plus what he's willing to do. Because obviously he's not going to be willing to do everything his handlers want him to do. He's still got free will and a lot of experience. But we don't really have like a presidency with a strong leader. We have some sort of a committee, mostly people we don't know, whose work we only see as it's presented through, through uh, Biden. And honestly, I, I don't know if it matters. I really don't. You can assume that our adversaries would at least try to get a little more adventurous just to see what happens. Um, but I'm not seeing a play out yet. Is it, is it a danger to the republic and maybe the whole world? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a little too uh, Joe Biden-ish at this point. Uh, with his age and declining mental state, that I think he's a genuine risk to the Republic. But I don't know how big it is, because his handlers are probably um, probably doing a good job for Democrats. Um, having the world leaders love you is not a good thing. Yeah, that's true. You don't want them to like you too much. Yeah, Vanity Fair is photographing first ladies again. Can you believe they skipped Melania? Now, I'm not a historian, but let's say Jackie Kennedy was you know, considered a uh, cover-worthy model, but there aren't many of them. And there's certainly nobody in Melania's class, you know, somebody who's a professional model and, and looks it. So the fact that they skipped her is just a big F you. <laughs> Barbara Bush is your favorite first lady, somebody says. Yeah. Yeah, Elena says, yeah, let's skip the, the supermodel when we're, when we're designing our covers. Don't use the supermodel. Wait for Jill, Jill Biden. Uh, Matt says that uh, COVID was like acupuncture for your allergies. Well, I don't know if I buy into that analogy, but... Um, Tikhan the Jazz says it's closer now to the CCP. She is the leader, but is really just the most powerful guy in the committee. Oh, yes. So China is it's ruling by committee, but I have to think that you wouldn't want to go against Xi at this point. On paper, it's the party that's in, in power, right? And they just have somebody doing the, doing the work of the leader. But I have a feeling that Xi has consolidated power to the point that if he had a strong critic... On, in the CCP, probably just get killed or eliminated somehow. I, I don't imagine that he has real criticism. I do imagine that he has full control. Can't know for sure. Um, <laughs> Obama and Susan Rice are running things. Uh, that's what somebody says here. What's new in Santorini? Well, let me tell you. Uh, so Christine and I took a, uh, an e-bike tour of Santorini today, so I'm in, I'm in Greece. And if you haven't if you haven't tried an e-bike, I know it's boring. I keep saying it all um, uh, when I talk about e-bikes, but they are the future. The moment you get on one, the first time you ever try an e-bike, you will be hooked. And it doesn't matter if you like motorcycles better, or you like your regular bike. They are just crazy good. It's like insanely good technology. Uh, so anyway, we go to the middle of nowhere, this little shack, basically, uh, where they've got an e-bike and four-wheel drive things that you rent. We got our e-bikes. And I didn't know exactly what to expect. It was an island tour. What I expected was kind of a, a leisurely stroll around the island, maybe the perimeter and stuff. What I knew we wouldn't do, because that would be crazy, would be to go up these steep hills uh, or to go through any of these like narrow, narrow uh, streets, 
because some of the streets are so narrow that the bicycle handles you know, would, would be pretty close to the walls on both sides. That's sort of a dangerous thing because the ground is all uneven everywhere. So no, in any part of the city, the ground is uneven everywhere. Right? So you, you don't want to go through a narrow, steep hill with an uneven floor on a vehicle that you just got on. <laughs> right? It's like everything is wrong with that. That model is too dangerous. So I knew we weren't going to go through any narrow streets. And obviously we're not going to go like to the top of the mountain because you know, they didn't even know if we had the ability to do that, even with an e-bike. So uh, we went to the top of a mountain, and we went through the narrow, <laughs> the, narrow, the narrow streets. By the way, the reason the streets are so narrow here is that they were designed that way originally to repel uh, pirates and invaders, because you would make the invaders go through a narrow passage, and you could kill them one at a time. And you know, once their bodies built up, they became a barrier to their own you know, rest of the attack. So, so the streets are insanely narrow, or at least the passageways between things are insanely narrow. Um, I think I took four spills. <laughs> I fell off the damn bike, I think, four times. Uh, Christine, about the same. About the same. It was the most rugged, <laughs> dangerous thing I've done. <laughs> In a long time, but it was great. So let me say this first off. I highly recommend it. If you, if you ever get a chance to do an e-bike tour, even in Santorini, and even though it's, you know, even, even though it's, uh, let's say by American nanny standards, almost none of this would have been even legal in the United States. I mean, literally. The, 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 the safety standards here are uh, quaint, <laughs> all, the, all the little narrow passageways and you know low low uh, low barriers over a, a cliff. I mean, you just would never do any of this stuff in the United States. But we're uh, trying to go up these narrow hills and stuff, and it was just amazing. So, but here's the funny part: the best feature of the trip is that we we ended up on all these narrow trails that it looks like only animals uh, that only animals used and. Uh, we're going over rocks and things. I've, by the way, I've never, I've never done trail riding, so I've never been on a bicycle on a, anything that wasn't a paved thing for any length of time. So this was my first experience uh, riding up a unpaved in many places. A lot of it was paved, but in places it was just a trail with you know big rocks everywhere, and you're 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 hitting rocks and stuff. Then then a, a number of parts were soft sand, so your front tire would go into it, and it would just go, and, and you'd, be, you'd be laying by the side of the road. And the, the guides did it perfectly. So if you're, I guess if you're experienced enough and you know that, if you know the route, you're, you're fine. But if you're not that experienced with this route and you've never ridden on a trail, it was pretty freaking dangerous. But here's the best part. Do you know what was at the top of the mountain? A winery. So we went to the top of the mountain to the winery. Just beautiful views. Absolutely recommend it. It was the greatest thing. Uh, but it was for wine tasting. And now I, I don't drink, so I didn't. I just put my tongue in a glass and tasted. So I didn't really drink. Uh, but uh, can you imagine? Their, their business model is to go to do this insanely dangerous ride and then have some drinks and ride back down the hill. And there, there was one part that was so dangerous that I don't think a goat would have done it. Like, you know, you're, you've got a cliff and you've got this narrow path and you're on a bicycle on, like, dirt and rocks. <laughs> so there was one part of it. They, you know, they said, you better walk your bike so you, so you don't fall off the cliff. Uh, and we did. So, you know, I make it sound like it's more dangerous than it probably was. But the odds of you falling off your bike uh, multiple times on this trip, really high. Really high. As I see in the comments, you're asking about Dr. Drew. Um, I'm actually going, we're actually going to be having dinner with Dr. Drew in about half an hour. And I've got to get ready for that. So, um, 
I hope he brought his uh, he brought his his medical bag. Might need some extra bandages. All right, uh, how's the food? Um, the food is spectacular in in many individual cases, but a lot of it is stuff that I don't eat. Um, and then there are a lot of things that there are a cultural difference that um, takes a little explaining. For example, I ordered a bagel with cream cheese, toasted. Basic thing, right? A toasted bagel with cream cheese. And the first time I ordered it, it came and it was cold. And I thought, oh, well, I, probably they just forgot to toast it or something. Then the second time I ordered it, it came sort of refrigerator cold with cream cheese. Now, in the comments, is there anybody who would eat a cold bagel that had never been toasted with cream cheese? Has anybody ever eaten that in the history of people eating bagels? <laughs> and I, I think it was a different, uh, it was sort of a cultural difference. Uh, and I think that maybe some other countries do it or some other people, or they're just not used to Americans ordering bagels because it wasn't on the menu. You know, it, it's such a nice hotel that you can just sort of order stuff that's not on the menu and, and it just shows up. Um, oh, some of you have. Some of you have, Nick says, you've actually eaten a cold bagel, but with cream cheese. I've eaten, I've eaten a delicious bagel without cream cheese, but why would you put it... Uh, yes, and, and I'm talking not room temperature. I'm talking it was, it was cool to the touch, like it came out of a refrigerator recently. <laughs> so, here's my point. Um, I would say that the food and the service here are spectacular, just, just really first-rate. Uh, but if you don't know what to order, you can get something you didn't expect. Uh, and I don't eat a lot of exotic things. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm just looking at your comments for a moment. Some of, some of you have eaten bagels not toasted with cream cheese. Interesting. All right. Um, so somebody says uh, Trump is going to visit the border before uh, Kamala Harris. That would be funny. I sure hope that happens. All right. I need to go do something else. I hope you enjoyed the best coffee with Scott Adams of all time. Until tomorrow, it's going to be even better. You just wait. And I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>